put on some new Tim Remington jerseys last week. Had a couple of good, really good handicap <laughs> scores. Ran some doubles. I'm you know. surprised you washed them. I, <laughs> I mean, shoot, you got some flack for not wearing a Remington hat because you were wearing a Delta Waterfowl hat. And you were like, this is what I started the season with. This is what I'm wearing. I'm really bad about whenever I find one thing that works for the season, I shoot good once and wearing it forever. Um, <laughs> I guess one of my more embarrassing things that I might sh- should not admit here is uh, the first clay target shoot off that I was able to shoot on. It was a, I had a pair of underwear on. Oh, here we go. <laughs> every Saturday of the Grand American. Since that time, I've wore the same pair of underwear and I think I've been in the shoot off four times. So <laughs> never won it, but I've been in the shoot off four different times. That's a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> yes. yep. Not sure if anybody here wanted to know that. <laughs> well, it's not just here. Now the world's going to know. <laughs> Logan wears the same underwear on the same Saturday of the Grand American. Yeah, so if you go in my camper and, and take those out I'm, i might be screwed for saturday <laughs> it'll be a nervous wreck yeah. as long as you wash them oh yeah 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 okay. definitely so <laughs> that's totally fine then there's a line you can't cross it. yeah i don't i'm not a no wash clothes guy that's, <laughs> that's gross do you keep it in like a little box with a lock on it you know, I used to, I usually try to like just keep it set to the side. You know, you don't, I, I shouldn't go into much detail, but you don't want to wear those out. We got to keep those in good shape. Yep. Welcome to the Remington Podcast, where we take a deep dive into all things ammunition. I'm your host, Audrey Mays. And with the closing of the World Ski Championship and the opening of the National Sporting Clay Championship coming this week, I wanted to sit down and reflect on this year's Grand American, the World Trap Shooting Championship that is held in Sparta, Illinois. And who better to do this with than the six-time All-American Trap Shooter and Remington Research and Development Engineer, Logan Henry, and Shotgun Shooting Sports Extraordinaire and Director of Product Engineering, John Langenfeld. To give you a little background, the Grand American made its debut in the 1900s. It was moved around to several locations until settling in its current home, Sparta, Illinois. The World Shooting and Recreational Complex, where the competition is held every year, could easily be described as heaven on earth for a trap shooter. Complete with three and a half miles of non-stop trap fields, that's 120 trap houses total, and a massive shell house where you can purchase shot shells for the competition. The Grand American consists of 24 events that span over an 11-day period. Participants that shoot every event will have had the chance to break 2,600 targets. People who come to the Grand tend to stay on site on the campgrounds and spend the evening watching shoot-offs and visiting fellow trap shooters from around the globe. Remington has been a part of the Grand American since its early days. Here's John Langenfeld telling us a little bit about Remington's legacy. I know that Langenfeld, you've been with Remington for a long time and you went to the the Grand American shoots that were held by Remington in yesteryear. Yeah, so I've been with Remington, uh, it'll be, I think, 12 years this uh, November. And uh, since I started with the company, I've attended every one of the Grand Americans. I worked in the Remington building, also competed in the, in the event. And 
so yeah, I mean, this was, you know, the next consecutive year. Didn't shoot as much as I did uh, in years past. Usually I shoot all grand week this year. Uh, you know, we've got a you know, Logan on the team. So uh, rather than me doing it, send him up here so he could compete. He's a better shot than me. And so, you know, figured we'd better have a better chance of uh, supporting the brand and showing Remington, you know, winning trophies with him up there than me. Has Remington always had such a big presence there? Yeah, I mean, uh, we've got lots of pictures that go back, black and white pictures. I mean, I don't know how how many Grand Americans. What was this? The the it's on the program. Ooh, what it wasn't the hundred and twenty fifth one. Yeah, I don't know. I can't remember exactly. Anyways, we've got pictures of, of you know the Remington team uh, at Grand's back, black and white pictures wearing suits and ties and everything. And they were, you know, the building was, you know, they had tents mm -hmm. uh, and, and whatnot. And so it's, there's a lot of history with the Grand and all the companies going and, uh, you know, not only are the competitors shooting, but, uh, you know, you're, you're going head to head with the other brands of the, you know, ammo makers and that sort of thing and the top shooters. So, uh, yeah, it's it's something to look forward to every year. A lot of pride in the ammunition, you know, that we send there. And of course, now you know, used to you have to, you had to acquire your ammunition at the Grand. Um, I can't speak for you know when it started, how it all was, but I know for the generation, you know, the guys that are say 60, 70 years old now, when they were shooting uh, in Vandalia, when you paid for your your entries and whatnot, you basically you got your shell voucher and you take it down to the shell house and tell them what kind of shells you wanted. And so, you know, from an industry standpoint, everything was the same price. So that was a really equal playing field for, you know, the engineering guys to come back and say, you know, Ooh, who's, who's selling more than who and whatnot. Um, but yeah, like I said, we, we send a lot of ammo up there to the shell house. Everybody does. So we're always looking at what's going on there and how people are shooting. Pretty good weather this year. Not too, not too hot. You know, only a couple storms. So had uh, you know marketing. We had marketing people in the building. We had product management. We had R and D. So there were quite a few different folks from different parts of the companies to interact with the consumers if they got questions, uh, uh, just to see how things are going. This was my first year going to the Grand American with Remington Ammunition. And something that I noticed was that everyone is a shooter. Everyone participates. It's a great time to learn and to bond with people in the shooting community. I asked John and Logan about how they performed this year. So you have you, uh, John, always shot at the Grand when you went with Remington? Or oh, yeah. did you spectate yeah, ever? No, no. Uh... I shot my first registered targets in 2008. Of course, the Grand had already moved to Sparta then. And, uh, but of course, I didn't work with Remington until uh, 11. Uh, but I was already shooting Grands Before. prior to coming to work with Remington. And so it was just natural since it was something I was already doing and was a trap shooter anyways that uh, I was one of the guys that they sent up there. Yeah. Trap shooting is a, is a whole new world. I feel like I learned way too much about it <laughs> in the six days that I was there. So Logan, you did pretty good this year. Um, how did you turn out? Um, so I actually won several events. I think I came home with five or six trophies. Um, my most notable, you know, win would probably be in the championship doubles. I ran the hundred straight and dropped in my six box of my shoot off. Um, unfortunately for my tough category in trap shooting, I ended up third um, because some guys made it a little farther. But I think being in the top 11 of the doubles championship was really a big achievement. 
You know, um, I'd say every year that if I can get in one of the championship shoot offs, that really means a lot for me. You know, you know, the goal would really be to eventually win a ring. But I think for every trap shooter, John, you could probably say the same thing. Everybody's goal is to win a Grand American ring. So in everybody's goal everywhere, there are people from Australia there. There are people from Brazil there. Those are the top two countries that I noticed. Yeah. But we made really- a, we made a South African friend while I was there. So he came over to the camper and one night and we had some interesting conversations. So every year that I go, I'm actually really amazed by how many different people from so many different countries come. And, you know, he was telling us how expensive it was, you know, to come from South Africa, that that's a really big thing for them. I, you know, I think he said in American dollars, that's about a $2,000 plane ticket. Dang. So, I mean, that means that you really want to come compete at the, you know, world strap shooting finals. Yeah. I didn't know it was such a worldwide shindig. I thought that trap shooting was really just America. And for, for that matter, I've never seen anything like Arkansas for like for the trap shooting world. So I feel like. Yeah, absolutely. And Arkansas has grown a lot uh, even since, you know, since I got here um, when I moved here in 2011, especially with the the youth school, you know, definitely supported by the state and everything and, and helping to put new blood into the sport. You know, it's a good thing. Yeah, I would say even since I started trap shooting, which I think that might have been my ninth, maybe 10th Grand American to go to, there's just so many more kids nowadays that really participate. And you see that a lot of times at the end of the day, the kids now are, you know, the people that are at the top of the school board or they're right there with the other guys that have been doing it for many, many years. Shooters of all shapes and sizes come from around the world to take part in the Grand. It's such a beautiful thing to see. No matter your background, everyone is on an equal playing field in Sparta, Illinois. Even when you spend most of your time focusing on ammunition, I asked John and Logan what it was like to be an engineer for a major contributor to the sport and participate in the competition. I think sometimes being an engineer at one of these shoots is, is you know, it's a blessing and a curse because uh, it, being a shooter, you can, like you said, whether it, I call it relate to what's going on, whether it's good or bad, but uh, you can relate to shooters and, and at the same time being an engineer behind the scenes and knowing what goes into the ammunition and why and what shot you're using and everything. I think you look at things in a different way. I do, because every time I see somebody with a different shell, I'm going, well, I wonder why they shoot that instead of this. Uh, and so talking to people and understanding and why, whether it's Remington or not, you know, why do you shoot a nitro instead of a three dram? Or why do you shoot a light eight instead of a light seven and a half? Or why do you like an ounce and an eighth instead of one ounce? So I get into the, you know, I think about those details and, and look at patterns and, you know, the science behind it and the technical details behind the ammunition and, uh, you know, understanding our products, understanding the competitive products and seeing, you know, always asking, can we do something better? Can we improve it? Is there a, a, a different design that we could come out with that's even better than STS and Nitro? And well, I mean, you haven't seen one in a while. It's, and so, uh, but if you do, it'll be damn good. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I enjoy it from that perspective. Um, being a consumer and just going to shoots versus knowing how the ammunition's made and interacting with the consumers. I think it helps me be a better engineer 
to understand the consumers and why they shoot what they do and what gives them confidence. And I know I'll tease Logan sometimes because he's a nitro fan for handicap. I'm like, oh, well, why don't you shoot a three gram? He's like, oh, no, I can't do that. You know, <laughs> can't, can't break targets like I can with a nitro. You know, and I'm like, okay, you know, you know that the lead's only going to change minuscule amounts. To none, absolutely, you know, after he, doing the yeah, science. But he's a tried and true trap shooter. You can't get it through his head. You know, it's mm-hmm. what the confidence is. And so, but uh, yeah, that's, that's like I said, that's a neat part if, if you're, into the technical details of ammo and, and, and everything. So, yeah, yeah, I think I look at the ground. I often now times look in the trash cans. I, I like to look and see what consumers are using or whenever I see this new whiz bang product that's came out and I see somebody on the line shooting it, you know, like you said, the question is why, you know, and the interesting part is sometimes I have to ask those people why about three times to really drive down on the end root cause, you know, but a lot of times it's because, you know, marketing has said that it's this new whiz bang product and there's something different about it. So, yeah, well, it's our job to figure out if it's real or not. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So we're very good at our jobs. Yep. <laughs> I watched somebody um, shoot handicaps with two boxes of three drams mm-hmm. yep. and then two boxes of nitro 27. Mm-hmm. So they change shells in the middle of their handicaps. Yep. Is that super weird? No, I've done that. On purpose? Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, and, and I do it objectively, mm-hmm. you know, because because I want to see, you know, does it make a difference? Can I hit the targets the same way? You know, I don't do it often in competition, yeah. you know, practice, things like that. You know, a lot of people have superstitions about things where, they, ooh, you know, if I change my shells, now it's going to screw everything up. Again, it's mental. You know, yeah. I just changed my shell, that sort of thing. But, uh, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. I know guys that will shoot four different types of shells out there, especially if they kind of screw up on the first one. They know they're not going to win. They're like, <laughs> well, it's all practice now. Mm-hmm. And, they'll, you know, they'll have either competitive shells or they'll have nitro and they'll have three dram or they'll have seven and a half. So they'll have eights. And, and so, I mean, everybody's kind of got their niche. I mean, if you ask Logan, what, you know, what's the perfect handicap shell, what are you going to say? Nitro 27, seven and a half. Yep. That's exactly. Okay. What and what, say. and what about singles and doubles? Light eight. Light eights. Okay. 1145 light yeah. eights. So what's going to happen if I give you one ounce shells, what are you going to do? You're going to be like, okay. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to be like, okay, with a slight sigh. Um, I do think that from an engineering standpoint, looking at patterns, understanding now, if you're there, you're there. I don't think that a one ounce ounce and an eighth really makes that amount of difference. You know, you can say, oh, well, that's so many more pellets. If you're there, your pattern is still there. As long as there's no considerable holes in that pattern, you're going to hit that target. Yep. Yep. I mean, have you seen holes big enough to let a clave? fly through well, the there's, pattern there's more to it than just the shell i mean the quality of the choke things like that um uh on how good a pattern is yeah uh, whether it's going to have holes in it or whatnot and uh, i would say if you stick an sds or a nitro in it and you've got a good quality choke and your gun's made right and you got a good barrel and everything you know there ain't going to be any issues but there's guys out there that's you know send their send their barrels out to various uh, companies and I call it massaging barrels or putting <laughs> choke tubes in them and they'll optimize it for the shell that a person says they want to shoot and they'll pattern it and say okay well I mean you've done that mine has done that that's I sent real? mine to Tom Wilkinson and you know like I said for a long time my shell is always even before I worked at Remington STS and Nitro mm-hmm. and my chokes and barrels are optimized my single barrels optimized to an STS and a Nitro 27 my double barrels are optimized to STSs and but you know that's, that's supposed to be what makes the best pattern you know you tell that guy exactly the shell that you prefer to shoot and he 
test everything through that and tries to optimize it for that shell specifically. And you're sure that's not just marketing voodoo? His is not marketing voodoo. He believes it, so it don't matter. That's well, I shot patterns before I sent it off, and I'm not going to say what chokes or anything I had in my gun, but I'm going to say there was holes. I'm not going to say it was big enough to let a clay through, but you know, you also have to remember that you're dealing with a shot string and not a 2D object that you're shooting at, but there was holes in it. And whenever I came back with it, it it is a amazing pattern whenever he sent it back, you know. He sends you pictures and stuff of the patterns as they get shot yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, so. I mean I'm, it'd be different if he was sitting there and he was, a, you know, not a, like a four-time All-American trap shoot or something, <laughs> you know. I mean, I guess it worked. Is it four or five? Six times. Six. Okay, we're underrating him. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, give him his creds, you know. There is so much that goes into this discipline of shooting sports that I had overlooked before my time at the Grand. Chokes, guns, ammunition, vests, bags, and even glasses play a role in the way that you perform. And there is so much pressure that is handled so gracefully by the athletes that take on this sport. What brings people back? What is the mindset that you need to have to make it in this discipline? Logan and John answer these questions. I, uh... I also noticed something that's really cool. So trap shooting isn't really a spectator sport. Everyone says that all the time. No one likes to sit and watch people break a hundred clays in a row um, until it's shoot off time. Then everybody from everywhere, even if they don't know who you are, is sitting in those bleachers waiting for you to mess up. Yep. Or win. Everybody's or win. Win. Yeah. on pins and needles every time somebody calls pool and you can hear the crowd, ooh and ah, when a target's dropped or, oh, did you see that? And I know when uh, Logan, I was watching him shoot uh, in the doubles shoot off. Uh, and when he, there was a guy right before he missed, and then, of course, Logan had to miss too. But, uh, <laughs> you know, there was people behind me, you know, they, they didn't know who they were. And they were just like, oh, my gosh, we just seen two people go out right in front of us. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it was a big deal. But, uh, yeah, it's neat to watch shoot-off, especially when you know stuff's on the line. And I don't know. Do you remember when they used to have those $100,000 shoot-offs at the Martins put that family up, that money up? That was just before I started oh, going, yeah. but I do remember that, yes. Yeah, those were, I, I was there for the first one, and uh, they had uh, $100,000 shoot-off, and it was the winners of the handicap events. And then I think there was like one random draw. Maybe two. Maybe two. Yeah. And so there's 10, I think it was 10 people. And they shot off after it was all said and done on the last day for a hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, talk about a shoot off. Um, you know, there was ooh and an ah and you know whatnot when somebody dropped one. Can you imagine the pressure though, standing there? Can you imagine being the wild card? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We actually have a, a, a local girl from Arkansas. The next year they did the hundred thousand and then they did a fifty thousand, but they it was a female only oh, ladies fifty thousand and she won that fifty thousand. That was uh oh shoot. I can't remember her name now. Jessica Self. Was it really? Yeah she used to work down at the club a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Oh she used to work at the Remington mm-hmm. Wow that's yeah, really for cool. about a maybe a year or two in the summertime. Yeah, yeah she worked Until out there. Jimmy's the Jimmy's yeah. Jimmy's Jenna sister. sister yeah. yeah. Until she won the 50 grand and then she's like, no, no, I don't no. need to be here. Yeah, I think she bought a car or something. <laughs> but that's really cool. Do you know what family used to do that? Oh, their last name was Martin. Bill and Leanne Martin were yeah. the people Martin. that used to do that. Correct. I believe they're, if I'm not mistaken, they were, they're from Utah. You know, talking about the grand, one of the things that I always tell people that's never seen it, 
you know, seen Sparta, seen the shooting grounds of the world shooting complex is, is if you like, you know, if you like guns, if you like shooting, you know, even if you're uh, not heavy into trap shooting or maybe you trap shoot a little bit, you got to go, you got to see this place. I mean, it's hard to fathom three and a half miles of trap houses and the number of people that are there. Plus all the cool stuff that you get to see in the vendor buildings and, uh, you know, you can go to the gun companies, you can come in Remington and, and you know, ask technical questions and, uh, you know, demo guns if you want to and, and try stuff out and uh, see the custom wood being made over at Winnig and all that. It's just that the whole place is a neat experience. And, um, you know, Logan and I have kind of talked a little bit. You know, one of the things that he likes is, you know, the social aspect of it and the camaraderie with the people that he's shot with over the years and the friendships and, you know, being after the Grand and being able to visit with those people. Because a lot of times that's the only time you see them is at the Grand. Yeah, there's, you know, as I've gotten older, travel a lot less. A lot of my really good friends that, you know, I would call basically family, uh, I see them once a year and that's at the Grand, you know. And that's one big thing about trap shooting is you can ask anybody who's been in it for a long time and we literally call each other, you know, we're family. <laughs> We've all been around each other. We've been through hard times, good times, you know, times that we shot bad or you know, through family losses or anything like that. And we've all been there for each other, you know, almost like nobody else. You know, you just don't go to one place where you find that many amazing people that would just do anything for you is in the trap shooting world. Yeah. When I, when I was, this is my first grand and I'm not into trap shooting that much, but I mean, I might be now, <laughs> um, but I like guns and ammunition. Obviously I work for Remington and it was a great time. And I learned a ton and I stayed on the grounds. So like I, I saw like what you're talking about, the camaraderie, like I got fed. Oh, People yeah. always ask me if I needed anything. They're like, you tired of staying in that camper with a bunch of dudes. You want to come shower in mine? You know, people I met <laughs> yeah. one time. Sure. You know, it was offer crazy. you to come and do the, your your laundry in their camper. Yeah. You know, people just would give the shirts off of their back and and barely know you. Mm-hmm. You know, just truly amazing people that shoot trap. Yeah. Just don't ask him for that one pair of underwear. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, I, I really enjoy going up there because, uh, well, not only just because it's the Grand and all that, but my hometown's only an hour from there. And so I grew up shooting, you know, the trap shooting family up there, all the people that I grew up shooting with and whatnot, they come over to the Grand and they shoot. And again, that's one of the few times that I usually get back to the area. So it's kind of neat. I shoot, you know, I still squad with them and we shoot together and it's it's neat to catch up. And you know, it's kind of the old stomping ground, so to speak. Um, so that's neat too, not only to, to meet those people, but this year there was, you know, a lot of the, it was kind of a, kind of a meshing a little bit because you shot on one, at least uh-huh. one time yep, on, a, on a squad with, on one with, with friends of mine that are, that are from that part of the country. And then, uh, a couple of the Arkansas, you know, guys that we know down here shot with them as well. And, and so you're like, Oh, you know, this guy, and I, you know, just kind of a small world. It's like my Arkansas buddies are meshing with the Illinois <laughs> buddies and, and whatnot. So it's kind of neat to, uh, see everybody together and they all talk the same language and like to shoot and all this kind of stuff. So. Yeah. There's some kind of common thread in the culture there that everyone who goes off and does all their different lives, they all come together. Oh yeah. hundred percent. I mean, I know that's one of the, one of the things that got me out and about socializing down here in Arkansas when I moved here. I mean, I don't have family here and didn't know anybody, uh, but I would go to trap shoots mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I ended up meeting my wife at a trap shoot, but, um, you know, met a lot of really good people and, and like you call them family, you know, I mean, I can call any of them guys up and, you know, we've got to know each other and, you know, hunt together or visit whatnot. And so, uh, you know, it's just part of it. Mm-hmm.
A ring from the Grand American is what everyone is after. It is the end-all be-all for a trap shooter. To win a ring at the Grand American means that you either win your event, which consists of singles, handicaps, or doubles, or you can win a ring by having the highest total from all three events. This is called high overall. The fifth and final way to win a Grand American ring is by having the highest total targets broken during Grand Week. This is called high all around. The mental game is tough at the end of the regularly scheduled events, but it does not compare to the shoot-offs. Me and the boys talk about shooting under the lights at the Grand American. Yeah, yeah, point, yeah, where you're looking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Interesting. I'd say that's the start to everybody's trap shooting journey. You know, my first thing that I'm going to tell you whenever I'm coaching you is, let's shoot that gun on a pattern board and let's make sure that it is shooting where you are looking because, mm-hmm. you know, you tailoring where you shoot on a clay is a firsthand trip to not shooting very well. Well, I mean, like you, you know, said, you well, naturally point where you look and yeah. you should be looking at that clay. Mm-hmm. And in this game, it's one target. Yeah. And that's the, that's the, you know, how they, what they shoot 800 shoot off targets in the singles yes. championship. Yeah. I mean, so a thousand, so they shot go a thousand, thousand straight to win, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, if you're trying to conform to a gun that don't fit or you're, you know, trying to that visual appearance and it shoots higher than you wanted to, and you're making sure that you float at the right amount, doesn't take one time and you're, you know, first loser. Mm-hmm. That's that was crazy for me to understand that you guys, I, well, maybe not even you two, but people would come in and they'd be like, "Dang, I shot a ninety-seven, that, and I was like, "That's pretty good." And they're like, "Nope, <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> not here, it's not." And I was like, "What do you mean?" And then we look at the leaderboard, and it's like pages hundred or nothing. Yep, yeah, pages yeah. of hundred. You know, and that's something I think as a shooter. Whenever I was a younger kid and I was, you know, like we've talked about, I went for the All-American team and I would just get really disgusted whenever I wouldn't run 100. And as time has went, I've learned that you cannot always expect perfection. You know, I think something that I really try to go back and look at is what is my average? You know, say my average is a 98 in singles. Well, at the grand, I want to expect to run them every time. However, if you break a 98, you should be satisfied with that 98 because that's your average. And that's your ability through the targets that you've shot for that year, you know, and being mad at not running them every time. That's just a good way to not have a good time at the shoot. You are, you know, we're here to have fun and enjoy the camaraderie as well as enjoy shooting. So don't let shooting bad for one day, you know, get you angry. Ruin your experience. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then I also, something you told me, John, that if you shoot at the grand handicaps, Something with a nine in front of it. Oh yeah, you should be excited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, everybody said that about handicap. I mean, it's it's probably the hardest of the three disciplines between singles and doubles. And uh, I don't know. That's just again. There's a lot of things that float around the trap shooting world, and that's one of them. You know, it's got a nine in front of it. I'm happy yeah. with that. Uh, you know, it, like I said, it's just one of those things that you know. Don't be too down on yourself. Um, it's not. It's not easy. And. Um, you know, I mean, depending on how much you've been shooting, what your scores are, what your averages are for the year, uh, it's going to depend on, you know, what you find is acceptable to you, what you're happy with. I mean, everybody's going to have a score. There may be a brand new shooter out there that breaks 75 and he's ecstatic because he's used to breaking 60s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, but, um, you know, 90 doesn't win you much, just a pat on the back and see you tomorrow. But, you know. Yeah. 
And yeah, even at this at the shoot one day, I had a 98 and I walked out at the end of the evening without anything. I didn't win any trophies in the handicap. And at the end of the day, I was just ecstatic with that 98, oh, yeah. honestly. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, I hadn't shot a lot of trap this year and was able to first time I shot doubles at all this year. I even put the double barrels on my trap gun and broke a 99 in the championship doubles. I didn't even listen around for shoot offs. I was shooting penalty triple A. And uh, yeah, I just packed the gun up, put it away, and I didn't expect nothing. And I missed one target. Mm-hmm. You know, one target. And uh, I was happy with my 99. I was like, well, damn, I can still shoot these things. But, uh, you know, like I said, at the grand, it's it's perfection. You've, you've got you've to break them all even just to get to the shoot off. And then that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. But it's still, it seems like it wasn't, dis- that's not discouraging people to participate. Oh, no. Uh, There's still what was there over? Do you have any any numbers that you know? I didn't of? have exact attendance. Numbers. I was hearing I do something know over two thousand. Okay, maybe? and I do know that you know I did hear from some of the guys in the office. They said that they thought that on you know multiple of the days we were up around eight to ten percent on attendance this yeah, year. Yeah, but I don't know the exact number this year of what yeah. that was. Well, I think a lot of people know. Again, it's not all about the score at the end of the day. What is what is trap shooting? It's the guns and the gear and the ammo <laughs> and buying the toys and the trinkets and all this kind of stuff, the camaraderie and yes. hanging out and seeing your your buddies once a year shooting with them. I mean, we know – I mean, you, Logan, used to be this way. Uh, you know, you shoot with the same people on your squad. Yeah, you know? every year. And it may be different shoots, but you shoot with those guys. And yeah. it's just set in stone. Yeah, so – it's not just about the score when you when you go out and you've got all that stuff and then you bust a good score too. That just that's what brings you. That's what brings you back. I mean, anybody that's ever stood on the last, the last station of the last box with a good score going, and that feeling. Oh, you can't that's replicate. why you're here. That's yeah. You can yeah. live in that moment. You know, that's that's the adrenaline right there. Yeah, and, and it, it's you know, in a rush. And every <laughs> shot, and then when it's finally over, you know, you're like. When you got that big sign, you're like, damn, you know, you either did it or, you know, or, yeah. you, or you choked and fluffed it up, which we've all been there too. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I was, you know, one yep. target, you know, how did I miss the last target or, you know, whatever it may be. But uh, yeah, that's what brings you back. And there's a lot of work. I mean, I know when I've shot good scores, you know, whether it's, you know, you get all the way to the end and it's a straight score or whatever, but when you're done, I mean, you're wore out. You feel like I just, you know, but I've been right out here marathon. working. Yeah. You know, I've just been standing here sh- shooting a gun. But yeah, I mean, you're you're mentally fatigued with your focus and looking at these targets every time and trying to block out all the noise and stuff that's going on around you. Or you know, if you're on a good squad that you like, or like I said, everybody's had that one guy on that squad that's just like, oh my gosh, whether it throws it all out of the rhythm or you know whatever it is. Uh, but yeah, like you said, it's, it's not easy. There's a, there's a big mental part of it, but, uh, but yeah, that's why everybody comes back and doing it. There's a whole lot of things that people get enjoyment out of. Yeah. I think you said it perfectly, John. I, I remember calling dad after the doubles this year, you know, running the hundred and I, I still had that adrenaline a little bit. Like yep. you said, you have that sigh of relief, but I called him and I said, I, I immediately yep. called and I said, I remember why I shoot this sport. I said, because that feeling, whenever you're about to run them, it's like no other, it really isn't, you know, you just don't get adrenaline like that. You know, maybe I could compare that to, 
killing a big buck with a bow or maybe your first good buck you know it's it's a real adrenaline rush oh yeah get. the pressure and, and and there's a sense of satisfaction at the end of it that you were able to you know you didn't choke you held it together you know you focused on every target and i mean your body just don't want to work the same whenever you're sitting there and you're like <laughs> come on now look at that one and bird comes out and you know it's like hey, swing you know and keep it together but uh yeah, that, that's like I said, that's good stuff. But like you said, you can relate that to, you know, whether it's the big buck walked out and all that kind of stuff. It's an adrenaline rush. You know, there's pressure on yourself, how you how you battle through that. Do you choke or do you perform through it and, you know, be a champion? Which is really interesting that you guys say that because watching shoot-offs or, or watching people who are about to run at least a 25, um, you can't see it. From the background. Oh, no. Because no. you're just doing the same thing that you've always done. And I'm sure you're like fighting this huge battle within, but on the exterior, yep. we have no idea what's yep. going on. Well, well that's the important parts to try to keep all that yeah. on the inside as you're doing it. Because yeah. if we're displaying it outwardly, that means that we're probably a wreck on the inside. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, I know people too, early stages in trap shooting that, you know, they're like, oh, I have to shoot with people. Is there anybody going to be watching me? Mm-hmm. You know, and the first time you make it to a shoot off and it's like, well, yeah, everybody wants to watch it. And you're like, <laughs> oh, my gosh. You know, you like I said, keeping all that together and thinking about what you got to do out there and ignoring, you know, all the people in the grandstands and you're out here under the lights and the world championships. And this is, you know, this is the big deal. I might win a ring tonight, you mm-hmm. know, all that kind of stuff. And so, uh, yeah, like I said, being a good shooter. And one of the things that you can relate it to or, or puts it in perspective, there were 58 200 straights this year in the singles championship. And, you know, these guys stood out in the heat twice that day to Mm -hmm. shoot 100 targets. And then that evening, well, they've had time to relax, cool off, all that. And the shoot-off starts. All you got to do is break more targets. We just broke 200. And a lot of them guys have broke multiple 100 straights prior to that. But now it's time for, you know, now we're going to put the pressure on. This is for the ring. And how many of them people dropped out within the first box or two boxes? Yeah, two boxes. And they've got, you know, I don't have the numbers, but they start going off pretty quick. Yeah, we usually just about half it on the first 50. Yeah. I would say. You know, and these are good shooters, Mm -hmm. but the pressure and you you know what you're out there for. Uh, So that, like I said, that's just, that tells you how big a part of, you know, being at the end and breaking all them targets of managing through pressure, how big of a part of it that it really is. The Grand American is a special experience for shooters and spectators alike. I cannot stress enough that it is the people and the culture that make this event memorable and one of a kind. John Logan and I touch on this topic. Yeah, and, and shooting under the lights, I feel like is a big is a pretty big change. It can be depending on what time of the day it is. If it's in that twilight period, you know, if they if they start you before it's completely dark, mm-hmm. you know, lights really don't help you a whole lot there. A lot of people don't shoot under lights. I grew up shooting under lights. Started shooting under lights. Hell, it was years before I ever shot in the daylight. Mm-hmm. You know, all I ever knew was shooting at lights. And you know, we shot night derbies and all that stuff. And then, uh, so you know, it ain't no big deal to me. Put the light lenses on. Let's go. But um, for a lot of people, you yeah, know, until me, you get I to had a no experience until a Grand American yeah. shoot off mm-hmm. of actually shooting under the lights, you know. Now, thankfully, through years and years of going to the Grand, I do have a decent amount of experience, <laughs> but <laughs> um, 
but I would say that it, it takes a little bit of getting used to, but I, I tell everybody, you know, like in the clay target shoot off, the important thing is to get through that first 50 or first 100 where those twilight hours are. And I think a big part of why you see so many people drop so early is because the lighting is terrible. Mm-hmm. You know, once the lights do get up and they're really on and that sky is black, I mean, they look like beach balls out there. You know, you see oh, yeah. a lot less yeah. people miss yeah. whenever we actually turn on the yeah. lights. Lots of contrast too. Yeah. You know, it. I never shot... I've shot a few, but by the time I started shooting at night, they, the lights were good enough. You could shoot orange targets. And a lot of clubs in years past, when they would go to the nighttime, they would pull all the targets out and put white ones in. Oh. To have more contrast, and the lights weren't as good. You didn't get mm-hmm. the, the, you know, they didn't reach that far. Yeah, or they just weren't as bright or whatever. And so they would put the white targets in in order to, you know, so you could see them better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, for people who don't know, it's your shooting. Shooting starts at nine in the morning, but shoot offs can go till two a.m. They can. Yeah. Logan was out there till like one o'clock one night shooting doubles and handicap. And it was terrible. (laughs) Yeah. I might say I even thought I was to the point of tiredness where I was was getting delusional. Yeah. It's a long night. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have been in as many of them as Logan has, but I've been in shoot offs at the Grand and I mean, when, when you get done shooting all day and you're hot out there and it's five o'clock and you're hungry and then it's like, okay, you know, you, you know, we're going to start calling the names or whatever, or, or even if, you know, like say you're a standby shooter or the nights where we've got to do the doubles and the singles and the handicap. Cause it got pushed around. Oh, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're just sitting and waiting and waiting and finding a comfortable spot to sit. So you, you know, you're not even more fatigued by the time you get out there. Um, yeah, like I said, you that's that's a whole other part of it. It's being ready for the shoot off and coping with that and being ready. Yeah, the the mental game I can't I can't imagine. Just changing from day to night, to be honest, would be rough. But. I try to take it just like it's a normal day, you know. I I had a really he actually got inducted to the Hall of Fame this year, Dale Stockdale. One time, whenever I was asking him, I said, you've been in a lot of Grand American shoot-offs. You know, let's say it's clay target time. What do you do? He said, well, as soon as I, you know, break the 200 straight, I go straight back to my camper. I take a nap. I wake up. And I don't remember if he exactly said this or maybe it's just because I'm so stupid, superstitious. <laughs> Stuper, <laughs> superstitious. Like, All right, <laughs> But I wake up and I put on the exact same clothes that I did that morning. So I act like it's a brand new morning. <laughs> and then I go and shoot off. So trying to make it like it's not the same day, like you're tired and wore out, but try to act like you're waking up the next day and you're fixing to go shoot another two, three hundred, whatever it takes. Nine, eight. Yeah, eight hundred. Yeah. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> A lot of shooting. There you have it, guys. Next time you're on a shooting event, be sure to look out for Team Remington. Like, comment, subscribe, and be sure to share this podcast with your hunting or shooting buddies. Be on the lookout for the next episode. You can find us anywhere you can stream podcasts. And for more Remington content, follow us on all social media platforms at Remington1816. If you have any questions or have a topic you'd like us to talk about, feel free to email us at podcast at remington.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T at remington.com. Thanks for listening. Bingo. Till next year.